Well, praise the Lord. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive and well. He's not dead. We may be dead, but he, he's not dead. He's alive and well, and he wants me to tell you that he loves you so much. I spoke to him this morning. And uh, boy, what, what a time we've had. Yesterday I was here, uh, pastor alluded to the fact that this is my first time in your church. He is correct. Yesterday I was here and then this morning. And I just want to tell you, let me just, before I get into my teaching today, I want to tell you that you guys are doing a phenomenal job doing outreaches. There are so many churches that are playing it safe. Yeah. And that's a tribute to your leadership, your pastor. How many love their pastors? Amen. Come on, give it up for our pastors here. They do a phenomenal job here in this city and around this country. And so I greet you also on behalf of our general superintendent, Doug Clay, and, and uh, so honored to be here with you all in Florida, in Florida. How many of you here, how many of you here have never heard of me before? Raise your hand. You've never. Wow. Father, I pray that you forgive them. <laughs> Eholy, wow, 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 wow. Well, let me first introduce my friend, Pastor Gabi, pastor of New Birth. He's, a, he's my brother, my brother in the Lord, but my real brother and love him and his family here. And we're just one great family, you guys and Pastor Carl, and we're just, trying to, we're just trying to empty hell and fill heaven to the glory of God and give God the credit, amen? So since you don't know about me and my flight leaves at 3.05, that means I can preach for around two hours. Listen, that was a good place for you to say amen. It's too late. It's too late. We are so glad, my wife and I, would be here with you all and... Um, and since you don't know me, I need to at least give you context to at least inspire you that God is in the business of using unusual people. Throughout the Bible, you will find messed up people that God called. So this Puerto Rican kid from Chicago, dysfunctional family. How many Puerto Ricans do we have in the house? Yeah. <laughs> Who stood in the island? Y'all hear my word. So this Puerto Rican kid from Chicago, six, I am the youngest of six in my family. Uh, my mom, my dad, and my dad divorced my mom when I was eight years old, left, left my mom. I remember going to a bar and pleading to my father not to leave mommy. That didn't happen, he left. I'm 55, do the math, it's been 47 years without a father. So I grew up in Chicago, in Humble Park, Chicago. Humble Park, Chicago, in the 1970s, 80s, it was declared the worst park in the United States during that season, 1970s and 80s. And during the 1970s and 80s, I lived without a father, without Jesus, without future, but God. Come on, but God. How many know that when God steps in, things just change in life? And I shared at the nine o'clock service, which I did not share at the uh, last night's service. And to those who are watching online, I'm so glad you tuned in. And, and if this is your first time here at this church, at Faith Assembly, stop looking, root yourself, 
Stop jumping around. That's, that's from the devil. You know, because there's people, not you guys, but there's other people in other churches. I'm just trying to find a church that makes me feel good. Papa, this isn't about feeling good. This is about being good. This is about being good. And so, and there I am, go back with me to Chicago, and, and there I am in the 1970s, during the riots, during the riots, which you guys saw, or you're seeing today, because of the racial tension, I lived it in Chicago between the Puerto Ricans and the police department. During the Puerto Rican parade, a police officer, white police officer, shot two Puerto Ricans in the back in the 1970s, and that created the riots. And so I lived in that context with no Jesus, no father, uh, no future. And so people were loitering. People were breaking into stores, stealing goods. And I remember my brother was a leader of a gang in Chicago. I remember going into a store that was being broken into and people were stealing goods. And, and if you have an imagination, I want you to use it with me uh, here this morning. And there I am. So use your imagination. People are running in and out with goods. And uh, I, I decided, look at me, I decided I'm going to go steal me a bottle of Coca-Cola. <laughs> Serious. This, I wish I was embellishing this story. I wanted to steal a bottle of Coca-Cola. These people were taking cases. And, and somehow in my small mind, I said, if I take a bottle and the police department or police officer stop me, how much time can I do in prison for a Coca-Cola? So that was my mindset. So I go into, into the store, the, the windows were shattered, the doors were broken into, and I remember walking over the threshold of the door, and I went to the refrigerator, people are running in and out, right, stealing, and I remember opening up the refrigerator, took the bottle of Coca-Cola, closed the refrigerator. I may be a thief, but I have a conscience of energy. <laughs> Mommy taught me well, muchacho, cierra la nevera. And so I remember that, I closed the refrigerator, I closed the refrigerator. I walked out of, out of the store onto Division Street. Division Street is the main artery of the Puerto Rican community in Chicago. And I remember when I had the bottle of Coca-Cola, I hear a voice that says, put it back. Put it back. Now, today at 55, I know it's the Holy Spirit. But I didn't know back then what it was. I turned around, I took the bottle of Coca-Cola, went into the store, opened the refrigerator, put the Coca-Cola in, closed the refrigerator, went back on Division Street, and I remember thinking, saying to myself, who am I? Who am I? Which reminds me of the prison letters of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German scholar, and in 1945, April 9th, he was killed by the Nazis. Hitler killed him. He was a German pastor, and while he was in prison, he wrote the letters, who am I? And that's how I felt. Who am I? Fast forward a little bit. A few years later, the mayor of the city of Chicago gave a grant of $400,000. Humble Park received a grant to hire young people to clean the streets of Chicago. It was the summer of 1977. I got hired. And uh, pastor said, I can come down when I preach. I can come down. And back in Chicago, when I would preach, I would come down to the church so I can slap people in case they were acting up. <laughs> and so I, I um, got hired. And I remember looking at the address, 1665 North Mozart. It was a church. It was a Pentecostal church. Now, you need to know that me, I'm being Puerto Rican, I was raised in Catholicism. I was not raised in Pe Pentecostalism. I was raised in Catholicism. And you don't break rank. You don't go from 
Catholicism to becoming a Pentecostal. You just don't do that. So I remember going to the, to the work. It was a Monday, and I got my papers, and I said, hey, my name is Wifrelda Jesus, and I'm here to clean streets. And they said, oh, you're not going to clean streets. You're going to do VBS. Now, VBS stands for Vocational Bible School. It's a children's program. And I said, uh, I said, VB what? I said, listen, I just want to know if I get a check. Do I get a check? And my mother's a single mom. I want to help her out. Yep, you get a check. Boom, boom, boom. And so I started working that summer of 1977. And every day, y'all, every day I would see the young people of that local church praying at the altar. 15 years old, 16 years old. And here I am as a teenager. I'm looking at them and they're praying. But I would not pray because I didn't know. So it's August of 1977. I go to the supervisor and I said, hey, what are these young people doing? He says, Wilfredo, they're praying to Jesus. He says, do you know Jesus? I said, I don't know him. He said, would you like to meet him? I said, yes, I would like to talk to him. Where is he at? And then he says, young people, come. Wilfredo wants to meet Jesus. And so they get in the circle, y'all. They get in the circle, the young people of that local church. And then the supervisor says, Wilfredo, get in the middle of the circle. I said, no. Now, some of you all, you've been here in Florida too long. In the hood, you never get in the middle of anything. You just don't do it. It's called a beatdown. Trying to help you out. Trying to help you out. Get in the circle. And he says, close your eyes. I said, I ain't closing my eyes. I said, the first guy that hits me, I'm going to hit him back. And so the young people started praying. Nobody, nobody hit me. I closed one eye. And I closed the other eye. And I said the most simple prayer on planet Earth. I said, God, if you exist, change my life. If you exist, change my life. And I remember that something happened. Like if the, if the, the young people threw a spell on me or something, because a metamorphosis happened. There was a change that happened. I felt weird. I know today it was the move of the Holy Spirit. But when you're like a teenager, you're like, hey, what's going on here? I feel different. So I started attending the church, that little, small, little Pentecostal church. It was a church of 68 people. It wasn't big. I started attending the church, and, and then I, at 14, 15, I saw my future wife. She was 12, and I was 14. I looked at her, and I said, hmm, like, like Adam said to Eve, yes. So this is my wife, Elizabeth. See, we got a picture of her. We have a picture of my wife, Elizabeth. She's a PK. She's a PK, married 32 years. We've been married for 32 years, but I, saw, I met her at the local church. And so a few years passed by, and uh, the pastor of that church says, Choco, uh, by the way, Chocolate was my nickname. When I got saved, the Christians, you all, got lazy, took the latte out, and left it as Choco. So that's where it comes from. Nothing spiritual, so don't get spiritual with this. It's a, t a term of endearment that I got from my uncles. They were calling me chocolate. Mira, mira acá, chocolate. So anyway, so I started growing and visiting the church and attending the church. And, and a few years passed by, and the pastor of the church says, Choco, I want you to become the Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teacher for the youth ministry. Now, what you need to know was, when I was 14 years old and I got saved at that local church, that same church went to a youth convention in Lansing, Michigan. I got in a van from Chicago to Lansing, Michigan, and I, get, and I get to the conference. It was full of young people, and the preacher was preaching, and he makes an altar call, and I, I got saved again. 
How many have gotten saved a lot of times in their lives? Yes. Every time there's an altar call, I said, God, I want you to look at every part of my heart. If there's some doors that are locked, I want you to open them up. And I remember going to the altar, and I'm 14 years old. Mirame. I'm 14 years old. I'm kneeling down, and then a lady comes, and she puts her hands on my shoulder, and she begins to speak in tongues. Now, it's not Spanish, because I'm Puerto Rican. She begins to speak in tongues, and then she begins to prophesy. And she said these words to me. She says, I've called you to be a great leader. Stay in my path. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now today at 55, I know that's the covenant that God made with Abraham. But at 14, I'm thinking, that's pretty cool. <laughs> she leaves. I get up from the altar. It's in the hotel. I get in the elevator. As I'm thinking, instead of resonating with me, what the lady said, and as the doors were about to close, a gentleman in a suit walks in. And when the doors close, he turns towards me. And he looked at me and he said, have you not heard? I've called you to be a great leader. Stay in my path. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse. Now I'm thinking it's the husband of the lady that was at the altar. I don't know. I'm 14 years old. I thought maybe they're in cahoots or something. At 55, I know now what's happening. I know that God was marking me. I know God was saying, I'm going to take this little Puerto Rican kid that comes from a dysfunctional family because God is in the business of using unusual people to do amazing things for him. And I started attending that church. I became the Sunday school teacher for the youth ministry. My word, when they told me I was the Sunday school teacher, I bought me a gavan, I bought me a jacket with a tie. And I was Sunday school teacher. Sure, there was only five young people, but so what? <laughs> it's about perspective. It's about leadership. And I remember what the lady said and the guy in the elevator. A few years passed by, the pastor comes to me and says, Choco, I want you to become the Sunday school superintendent. I said, superintendent? That's what the lady said. And the guy in the elevator. I became, I got my gavan, my, my tie. Listen, y'all. And I became the Sunday school superintendent. Sure, it was only 68 people in the local church. But so what? I'm a leader. Boy, I did that thing. My father then becomes my father-in-law. The pastor becomes my father-in-law. And I'm in my 20s now. And he said, Choco, I want you to drive me to a convention. So I started driving him, and he says, by the way, they're going to be voting on uh, what's called DCAP, District Christ Ambassadors President. Today it's called DYD. It's 11 stage. They're, they're voting on a president to, to oversee the youth ministry for 11 states. And I'm driving. I said, no, no, I'm a Sunday school superintendent. You look at Russell. I'm fine. He says, don't worry about it. There's other people who are going to be running. I said, okay. I get to the hotel. The first guy that grabs the mic, he says, my name is so-and-so. I have a bachelor's degree in youth ministry, yada, 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 yada. They give the mic to the other guy. My name is so-and-so. I went to this university, and I have this degree in youth ministry, yada, 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 yada. They give me the mic. My name is Choco, and I'm Sunday school superintendent. I'm like the devil. I don't even know why I did this. I agree with my father-in-law. Would you believe that they voted me in to become the president of 11 states of the Midwest Latin District? When that happened, I remember what the lady said. And then I remember what the guy said. I remember calling my wife from the hotel and said, Elizabeth, I am the president 
of 11 states with youth ministry. She says, what do you got to do? I said, I don't know. I just walked in. <laughs> Listen to me. The problem with many Christians today is that you're trying to understand God. And God doesn't ask you to understand him. He's asking you to obey him because understanding can wait. <laughs> understanding can wait, but obedience cannot wait. And if you want to live in the more of God, then you need to step in blind faith and trust the Lord. And I became the president of 11 State, y'all. I was driving from Chicago to Wichita, Kansas on my Chevy Corsica with no pay because that's what the lady said. And the guy in the elevator that God called me to do to be a leader. Time passed by, 1998 comes, my father-in-law says, Choco, I want you to consider being the pastor of this church. I'm going to retire. I said, no. No, my wife Elizabeth, she doesn't want to be a pastor's wife. And I don't want to be a pastor. I said, I just took the exam to be a state trooper. I said, I want to be a cop. I want to have a gun. I want to be an usher of the church. So I can collect the offering, show my gun, and motivate people. You guys... You guys collect the offering too nice here. <laughs> Papa, I will be scanning you through those doors. I'm like, come on, give it up, give it up. <laughs> come on, give, 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 give. He says, well, pray about it. I said, I'm not going to pray about it. Elizabeth doesn't want to be a pastor's wife. 1999 comes. I go back to my father-in-law. I said, okay, I feel convicted. I said, I'll leave my name run under one condition. All 68 people in the local church have to vote for me. If one person doesn't vote for me, it's not the will of God. He says, all right, no problem. I was doing the Gideon deal, signs. So July comes, 2000, look at me. July comes, I'm in the front with my wife Elizabeth, and here's my prayer, this was my prayer. Oh God, if you love me, please give me one person. Sure, it wasn't a spiritual prayer, but it was a prayer, I ended in Jesus' name. I said, in Jesus' name. So they started voting, they started voting. The year's 2000, they started voting. They collected the ballots. My father-in-law comes to the pulpit. He looks at me in front. He says, Choco, congratulations. You're the new pastor of the church. I looked at my wife. I said, babe, did you vote for me? <laughs> Mama, I thought you were the only one that wasn't going to vote for me. <laughs> so I became the pastor of this church of 68 people in Chicago. And since I was raised in the hood, I started... I started reaching out to people who don't look like you, don't walk like you, don't smell like you. I started throwing the net, fishing in Chicago. I started throwing the net and I started bringing in black fish, white fish, straight fish, gay fish, all, all sorts of fish. I started bringing them in. And I said to God, I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, hey, you just had the fish, you clean them up, Papa, you need to clean them up. And the church started growing from 68, from 100, 300, 500, 2,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. Just started growing. We started reaching people that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted. And throughout that time, I remember what the lady said and the guy in the elevator that God called me. And I've come here to Florida to tell you something. I've come to Florida. I took two flights to get here to tell you to stay the course that God is not dead, that COVID is real, I get it. 
COVID is real. You know how I know it's real? Because my mother died from it two months ago. COVID is real. But so is God. God is real. And you and I, you and I are not to operate in fear. We're to walk by faith. Fear is the absence of faith. I believe they both can exist in your life. You're going to have to choose what type of marriage you're going to be, what type of person you're going to be, if you're going to be a man of faith or a man of fear or a woman of faith or a woman of fear. But you can be both. I've come here to disturb you. I've come here to provoke your spirit. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Stand with me. I'm old-fashioned like that. I think in our culture we've lost some things that we are the, the church. I don't preach long. I got a flight at three, so I got at least another good hour and a half. No care, no care. I'm just joking. Pastor has allowed me to bring some books. If you'd like to read, I got some books in the back. I'll be signing books. You can join me there. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This is from my third book called Stay the Course. What I just shared with you now is from the book Living in the More of God. God has more for you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have what? Together. To what we have what? Heard. Pay attention. There are many voices out there. People now, all of a sudden, are experts on the COVID, on the disease, on racial tension, on theology. Everybody has an opinion, Oda. Pay close attention so that you do not what? So that we do not what? So that we do not drift away. Pay close attention because, who, look at me, who you listen to ultimately will shape you. Who you listen to will shape your behavior, shape the way you think, what news outlet you listen to. That's why I'm trying to tell people, you need to listen to the Bible. What does the Bible say? <laughs> Father, we thank you. We pray, God, that you would just be with us today, that this would be a seed in the hearts of somebody here. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. You may be seated. I didn't come here for everybody today. I've come for some of you all. I'm here to tell you, faith assembly, that America is drifting. Culture is drifting. But how do you lead a family? How do you lead a marriage? How do you lead your life in a culture that's drifting? How do we lead in a world that's dominated by fear? Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that no one drifts upstream and that no one drifts towards holiness? That's a good place to say amen. I'm going to say it again and then you say amen. <laughs> have you ever noticed that no one drifts upstream and no one drifts towards holiness? Amen. It is our natural tendencies as human beings to drift from God. It's a natural thing. It's a natural tendency to break away from God and drift 
A believer's heart will drift when he sees a world filled with violence and assumes that God is not on his throne any longer. I'm just trying to tell you here this afternoon that America is drifting. Our culture is drifting. We see it. We have mixed emotions. We're afraid. We're concerned. We're saddened by the drift in our culture. Look at me. Even here in this room. I can have a conversation with many of you all about politics, about education, about immigration, about the violence, and I would get different responses just in this room alone. And you would say, well, Pastor Choco, what's the big deal? I'm just trying to tell you that wasn't like that before, that even the church is divided. We have allowed Hollywood to define who we are. Ah, uh, somebody better help me pray. I've come here to preach this this afternoon. The church is divided in their own views. This is unprecedented. Recent surveys by Gallup and Barnard Group reveals a disturbing shift in our culture. Based on set of 15 beliefs and behaviors, 44% of Americans consider themselves post-Christians. Watch this. Don't send me an email. I'm just giving you the facts. The number of Americans who support same-sex marriage has risen from 27% to 60% in just 10 years. Four out of 10 Americans cite worries over the loss of religious freedom. You just don't drift upstream. Going upstream, being a Christian, takes work. <laughs> takes work takes determination. If you want to get from here to there in your spiritual formation, if you want to get from here to there, it takes work because there's a tide. There's a tide that rises up against you, against me. What do you do? We live in the year 2020, Pastor Choco, the year of clarity. <laughs> this is nothing but chaos, but something's very clear that the only solution to America is not a stimulus package. Ay, 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 ay. What do you do? You start, you start swimming against the tide. You start paddling. You come together as a family, you come together as a church, you come together as a team, and you work together. Because getting from here to there takes determination. Drifting is not going to get you there, but staying the course will get you there. And we have, look at me church, we have a true north. The Bible is the true north. The Bible is like the compass. You know the difference between a compass and a map. A map always changes. Always changes. You can get a map today and buy another one, the same one five years later. You have different highways, different streets. and It's always changing. But you know what won't change about the compass? Look at me. The compass will always point due north. Magnetic north. A compass will always tell you, north is this way. And you may argue with the compass. You say, no, 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 yo creo que para I think it's over here. And the compass is like, I'm not going to argue with you. It's this way. You do. You want to go that way? I got to. But it's this way. 
Sure, and this way you might have to go through mountains. You might have to go through some valleys to get to this side. But if you want the easy route, that's on you over there. But And I've been hearing voices. I've been hearing a lot of voices in America that there are different routes, that there are different ways to get to the Father. And yet Jesus says, no, there isn't. There's only one way to get to the Father. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Oh, I wish I could get some help here today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. There are many people that are telling you there are all sorts of ways, and there's only one way. To Jesus, he's the only way. And he's giving you a word like he gave me a word when I was 14 years old. You know why he gave me a word? So he said, he said, Choco, I'm going to give you a word so that you don't act like a knucklehead, so that you can have parameters in your life. And when, when the wind, the, the, the headwinds and the tailwinds try to make you drift, stay focused. I've called you. The Bible will never change. God will never change. The Bible is the true north. It is constant, y'all. It is constant, immovable Word of God. The Word of God now became the Word for my life. And I pray to God that the Word of God becomes the Word of God in your life during COVID-19. There is a God. There is a purpose for your life. You must stay the course. And stay the course can just be, cannot be something you just say. The Bible says in Psalms 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Listen to me, church. I have learned that how you respond to the cultural drift matters. You hear me? How you respond matters. That's why if you're watching me and you're on the internet, get to church. Your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching how you act during COVID. Hey, let me show you a picture of my granddaughter. Can you put that picture up of uh, Charlie, please? And she was praying. She has her hands up. This is my granddaughter. This is a few weeks ago in Chicago. When I went to Chicago and we got churches together and we started marching because the church has to stand in the gap. We won't pick size, but we must stand in the gap. You hear me? I got news for some of you all. You don't represent the donkey. You don't represent the elephant. You represent the lion from the tribe of Judah. Where do you think my granddaughter learned that from? Where do you think her mother learned that from? What you do matters. How you respond to COVID-19. Because you, you guys, not in other people, in other states, but you guys are cool. There's other people like, you know, say, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Okay. You know, hay mucha gente. Mama, there's going to be a rapture. And there's going to be a lot of people. What are you going to tell the Lord? Yo no puedo. I can't right now. I got to wait because there's a lot of people going up there. What's wrong with you? Oh, uh, I love the last service because you don't, there's another service. That means I can take my time. <laughs> you know, back in Chicago, I tell my people, I'm like, hey, 
You're made out of dirt. Newsflash, we're all dirt. Get over this. Wear three masks, I don't care. Bring a whole bar or whatever, washing your hands, do that. But what you do matters. And your kids are watching, and they too will go through an experience, and they're gonna remember what you did. And what mommy did, and what poppy did, and what they did. What you do matters, that's why I tell my kids, get to church. Put three masks on, I don't care. I know it's real. But how you respond matters. For instance, there's four responses. Let me give you the four if you're taking notes. Number one, there's a response of accommodation. So people see the drift in our culture and they begin to accommodate. And those that accommodate look at the shift in attitudes toward gay marriage, gun control, immigration, cultural changes. And they say to me, Pastor Choco, it's no big deal. And besides, it's not right to judge anybody. And I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna judge. I may not judge your destiny, but I'm going to judge the fruit. Come on. My wife will always send me to La Forteria to get some aguacates. And I'm, I'm good in picking out aguacates. So I'll stand there by La Forteria, you know, I'm like squeezing. I'm like, mmm, you're not ready. Squeeze another one like, ooh, child, someone should have picked you up a week ago. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, and you're judging the fruit. And so there are those who tell me it's not right. So we, those people begin to accommodate. There's another group of people who oppose. They oppose. This group opposes change because they are terrified that their way of life is going to be taken away, and they're angry, and they only listen to people who reinforce their fears. So they oppose. And they only listen to CNN or they only listen to Fox News. I got news for you. They're not Christian stations. Get your news from this. What does the Bible say? That's, so you got the first group, accommodate. You have the second group, oppose. There's a third group. This group is called the withdrawal. They withdraw themselves. This group says, What's the use? My voice means nothing in the big debates of immigration, gun control, racial conflict. And furthermore, Pastor Choco, those issues are too complicated. And anyway, I don't want to get in the line of fire. So you know what I do? I go to faith assembly. I go there with my Bible. I give my tithes. And when it's done, I walk away. And if they want to go to hell, I yell you. So you withdraw yourselves. So you're a draw. I just gave you, look at me, I just gave you three responses in a cultural drift. And all three of them are wrong. They're wrong. Those who accommodate are wrong. Those who oppose are wrong. Those who withdraw themselves are wrong. So what is the right response? Here it is. We must engage. We must engage what's happening in the culture we live in today. That's why Jesus said in John 17, in the world. Jesus calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. You're in Orlando, but you're not of Orlando. You're in the city of Chicago, but you're not part of it. Why is it? Because the moment you came to Jesus Christ, you became citizens of heaven. Yeah. 
Here's what Jesus said, I come to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have my full measures of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. Watch this, watch this. My prayer is not that you take them out of Orlando. My prayer is that you protect them. In other words, he wants us to be here. He wants you and I to be here in this mess. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he calls you to be the salt and the light. Salt and light. Mira me. Salt and light. When he said you're the salt and the light, that wasn't a compliment. It's a responsibility that you must have during this COVID-19. We must have this clear identity. Identity and perspective. We interact with people with truth and grace. And in our engagement with people, we follow the example of Jesus. We move towards the outcast, the marginalized. He touched the lepers and he cared for those who were demon-possessed. He cried with those who were crying. We must engage this culture. Watch this. Too many people, too many Christians value their positions. Look at me. Too many Christians value their positions on issues more than God's command to walk in love. Being salt and light requires us to have equally radical commitments to love and truth, not one or the other. I believe God wants you and I to engage the demanding people in our difficult culture. You hear me? Every day, starting tomorrow, you have a choice how you're going to respond to this culture drift. Every day. So what's the remedy, Pastor Choco? What's the remedy? Here it is. I'm going to give you three remedies. Number one, you've got to know your identity. You've got to know who you are. Mira me. You've got to know who you are. Your father is the king. Your father is the king. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not a punk. You know, I get sick and tired of Christians walking out. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, Pastor Choco. I'm living a victorious life. I'm like, Papa, you may be feeling inside, but you better tell your face because your face doesn't look like it. You got to know who you are. What's the remedy in the culture drift? Know your identity. I'm a child of the living God. So I went to Burkina Faso, Africa, West Africa. I went there with a delegation from Chicago. And they said, Pastor, we want to take you to the palace to meet the king of the Mode tribe. I said, cool, let's go. So I get to the palace, and then we park and so forth. I get out, and they said, now, before we get in, there's protocols. All right, tell me. So there's going to be three chairs, one for you, one for the translator, and one for the king. Pastor Choco, whatever you do, don't look at the king. I said, cool. And and listen, you you just got to tell me once. I don't want drama. I want to go back to Chicago. (laughs) So I come in. Look at me. Look at me. I come in. I sit in my chair. The translator comes. He sits in his chair. Music starts playing. I know the king is coming because the music starts playing. When I came in, there was no music. I'm like, the devil. (laughs) At least give me sacha or something. Whatever. But... So from the corner, look at me, from the corner of my eye, 
I see the king from the corner of my eye. I'm looking at the translator. I'm not looking at the king, but I can see him from the corner of my eye. And he's dressed in white with gold trims of the Mori tribe. Music stopped. He sits down. I said to the translator, before I tell you why I'm in Burkina Faso, I want you to tell your king, tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He, said, he says, you want me to tell the king what? I said, tell your king that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Translator turns towards the king and in his Modi language he said, Pastor Choco said that he's an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. And he represents the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm looking at the translator. And from the corner of my eye, y'all, the king broke protocol. He gets up from his chair. He starts walking towards me. I could see him from the corner of my eye. And I'm thinking inside of me, I'm like, bro, you're dead, man. Yeah. <laughs> Choco, why didn't you just shut up? Papa, you just, why, why? And I see him coming. I'm like, man, I didn't even say goodbye to Elizabeth. I'm like, oh. And he walks towards me, he walks towards me, and he puts his hands on my shoulder. I'm on my seat, and he says, would you pray for me in Jesus' name? Pray for me in Jesus' name. You gotta know who you are. You gotta stop acting like you're, you're a defeated foe. You gotta stop acting that you don't have power. You have power. Number two, number two. You gotta watch the undercurrent. What's the remedy for a, a, a culture that's drifting? You gotta watch the undercurrent. What's an undercurrent? Anything that goes opposite to the Word of God, it's an undercurrent. If it goes opposite to the Word of God, it's an undercurrent. You may not like it. I, hey, listen, you didn't call me, God called me. And I gotta preach this gospel. Now the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way, is offensive. It's gonna rattle you. To live a life that's holy. So anything that goes opposite to the Word of God is an undercurrent. Number three. Let me finish here. Number three. What's the remedy for the culture that's drifting? You got to keep coming back to the altar. You got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back to the Bible. You got to keep praying. Some of you all have drifted so far. You don't pray like you used to. You don't read the Bible like you used to. You don't worship like you used to. You don't give it like you used to. I mean, you blame everybody. You blame me. You just met me, but you blame me. You blame the pastor. You blame the smoke in the church. You blame the lights. By the way, the smoke and the lights and the drums, it's not for you anyway. It's for God's glory. You got to keep coming back. So I flew from Chicago to Dallas. It's a two-hour flight. I was going to Robert Morris Church to preach there. And when the, lane, the plane landed in Dallas, they opened up the cockpit. And I ran into the cockpit. And I said, Captain, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My name is Pastor Choco, and I'm pastor in Chicago. I said, Captain, we flew for two hours. Two hours from Chicago to Dallas. I just got a question, one question. How many times, I said like this, I said, how many times did you touch these gadgets in here? He says, oh, pastor, that's easy. A couple thousand times. I said, a couple thousand. 
Here I'm thinking, you guys put this on Cusco and Joy, they duerme. You guys go to sleep. <laughs> oh, no, pastor. We, we, we're always, always, always making adjustments to make sure that this plane gets to Dallas. I said, Captain, one more question. I'm out of here. Give me the percentage that this plane was on target from Chicago to Dallas. You know what he said? He said, that's easy. One percent. I said, you mean the other 99 percent? This plane? He says, Pastor, there are headwinds. There are tailwinds. There's pockets in the air that's always lifting the plane. And if we don't keep making adjustments to this plane, we wander, we drift out into the ocean. We always have to make constant adjustments to our lives. Listen to me, church. You got to keep making adjustments to your spirituality. If you don't make adjustments to your life, you wander and you drift and you don't worship like you used to. You need to come back. You need to come back to repentance. I know we don't talk about repentance anymore because we're Americans and we don't think we're wrong. But I got news for you. Repentance is refreshing. Stand with me for a moment. Stand with me for a moment. We need to talk about repentance. Because to repent means I've done something wrong. To repent means I have to change. Look at me. I know we don't talk like this no more, and we should. You don't come to faith assembly to feel good. You want to be moved and like, man, bro, that, that sermon was tough, but he's right. He's right. I mean, then you go home and you go to lunch and you start talking about the sermon and has provoked you to be a better husband, a better wife, a better son, and a daughter. You don't need a sermon that says, yes, Jesus loves me. No. Repent. Change. Change your course. And that's the message for America. Change. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing, refreshing may come from the Lord. Not from the president, not from the governor, not from the mayor, not from a stimulus package. Refreshing comes from the Lord. The year is 1914. The time is 2.52 a.m. April 15, rather, April 15, 1912. Many of you all believe that the Titanic sank because it hit an iceberg. What if I tell you that's not true? You were told for many years that the Titanic sank in 1912 at 2.20 in the morning, April 15, because it hit an iceberg. Did you, know, did you know that the Titanic was warned not one time, not two times, not three times, four times from different ships? They were sending notes to the Titanic. Oh, hey, hey, stop, turn. And the operator from the Titanic, arrogant, said, hey, stop bothering me. I'm paraphrasing. Stop bothering me. This is the, this is the unsinkable ship. Was warned four times, y'all. Change. Change. You're heading towards disaster. What if I told you that the Titanic didn't sink 
because it hit an iceberg, that it sank. It sank because it couldn't repent fast enough. Repent means to change your course. And I've come here today at Faith Assembly to tell you, change your course. Stay the course with God. Forget about the news. Forget about what's happening. Yes, that's real. But God is real too. With every head bowed and every eyes closed. How many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, Pastor Choco, this sermon was for me. I need to change my course. Pastor Choco, you disturbed me. You provoked my spirit. I, I drifted in my faith. I drifted. I drifted. I've allowed myself to end up somewhere and I'm running out of gas. God sent you here for me. If that's you, lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. All over this place. I won't stay here long. I've drifted. I've walked away. I don't worship like I used to. I don't give like I used to. I've allowed fear to cripple my faith. But no more. I'm turning today. If that's you, lift your hands. I want to pray with you. Hands are going up all over this place, up in the balcony. Here's what I'm going to do. Pastor has given me the latitude to do this. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to get out of your seat. If you raise your hand, I want you to meet me here at the altar. Come, do that right now. Come on, church. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Nothing else. He loves you. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Well, nothing else. He loves you. Nothing else. Nothing else. He loves you. He loves you. I just want you. Nothing else. Come, I'll wait for you. Nothing else. He loves you. Nothing else will do. I just want you. I'm about to pray. I'll wait for you. Those who came forward, I want you to look at me for a moment. We're about to pray. Look at me for a moment. This is about to be the most important day of your life. Somewhere, somewhere in your life, you drifted. Something happened to you. You heard something. Someone did something to you, and you drifted. And God says, I want you to come back. I want you to come back. I don't change, says the Lord. I do not change, says the Lord. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't change. And he loves you. He loves you even in your mess. In your mess, I'm talking to somebody here today. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is telling you. You're in a mess situation. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. You are in a mess situation. God says, I'm about to turn that around for you. I'm about to turn this around for you. You will never be the same again. You will never be the same. Church, I want you to extend your hands forward. Tears are falling at this altar. I want you to begin to intercede right now. Begin to pray right now. Come on. Something's happened in the spirit realm. The devil is a liar. He tried, to, he tried to take you out. He didn't want you to get to church on Sunday. He caused your car to, to be derailed. But God said, I have a plan for you. 
in your mother's womb, I called you. I took the umbilical cord around your neck. I took it out of it for this reason today. I'm talking to somebody here. I have a plan for you, says the Lord. My plan is to prosper you, to bless you. For those who are afraid, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. I want you to repeat this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, come on, nice and loud. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I've drifted. Forgive me of all my sins. Dear Jesus, clean my heart. Clean my mind. From this day forward, I want to commit to the original flight plan that you have for my life. Dear Jesus, write my name in the book of life. And by faith, I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. Nothing else. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Come on, give God a praise offering here today. Somebody scream to the Lord. Somebody shout unto the Lord. Nothing else will do. Nothing else. I just want you. Nothing else, oh, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, oh, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. Look at me from this day forward. May you live your life for the Lord. Do what I did at that local church and just volunteer. I don't care if you got to wear five masks, wear it. But my life belongs to the Lord. My life belongs to the Lord. But you get involved. You get involved in the local church. You become a giver, not a consumer. You give to the Lord. God saved you for a reason, and he's going to turn your world around. I believe that. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering. Love you all. Come on, if this word touched your life today, won't you give God one more great hallelujah right here? Hallelujah. 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 God is so good. Listen, teaching every one of you that came to the altars today, even those of you that are watching online, if today was your first time making this decision to follow Jesus Christ, we want you to text the word SAVED, SAVED to the number that's on the screen. Also, we have our prayer team that's here to pray with anyone that would like to be prayed with online today. If you want to call and have somebody pray with you, for the next 30 minutes after this service, there will be people on the phones ready to pray with you and with your family. So please take advantage of that as well. We're going to pray, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Christ, we thank you so much for this time that we've had in your presence today. Thank you for how you've encouraged us and spoken to us by your word, God. We pray that as we leave this place, that we wouldn't leave your presence, but that, God, you would go with us, helping us and leading us and guiding us to stay the course, Lord God, that you've set before us. We love you, and we thank you that we walk in your favor and grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a powerful week in the Lord. We love you so much. For those of you online, we want you to know that Kids Way is coming with ministry for you and your children in just a moment. You take care.